Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham, Scott, alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Sean, how you doing there? Doing pretty good. Spring has sprung in the nation's capital. Well, I say we're getting there. We still got some, still got some snow in the banks, but uh, you're right. Seems to be retreating. Flooding, right? There was flooding across the city today. Hopefully, everyone's okay out there. Uh, there was some snow elsewhere in the province. I saw Vic tweeted out uh, a photo of his lawn covered in snow. With just, uh, I believe all you wrote was like, come on, or something like that. Oh, poor bastard. Yeah, so uh, so hopefully everyone's doing okay out there. We just had the Players' Championship of Curling completed over the weekend at Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto, which is now the something center, as part of Ryerson University. They bill this, Scott, as the most prestigious of the Grand Slams. Uh, and so the most important of them, the Pinty's Cup was decided this week. There's no points, apparently, at the Champions Cup. So, you know, this was the biggest one, the most important one with the best field. But hey, everybody in Saskatoon, buy your tickets. <laughs> buy your tickets now, yeah. Uh, I, I'm not sure about that, if there's no points. or uh, I know for Rachel Holman's team, their two wins mathematically eliminated Anna, Anna Hasselberg because they were too far ahead. Yep. But and same with Cooey, yeah, yeah, and I think it's uh, it was twenty five points on the line. Anyway, it's all on the website. Go check it out. It's too complicated for our brains to handle. But uh, to be honest, uh, Sean, after the World Championships, whew, it's a little bit of a come down to to watch these events, wouldn't you say? Oh, no question. <laughs> like the idea that they they present this as the most prestigious of their events, and you know, in, in the players' minds, if it is, that, that's fine. I mean, the field is good. There's no sponsors exemptions for this. There's fewer teams than the normal Grand Slams by getting down to 12. But you're still going from 12 to 8 mm-hmm. for the playoffs. On the men's side, I believe everybody but Matt Dunstone got to at least a tiebreaker. Yeah. Like it, it just, you know, we talked about this last week. There's a sameness to these that they're not really distinguishable from each other. And for as much as I hated the Elite 10 at least there was something different about it. Whereas with all these ones, they're, they're the same. And, and if the comparison they try to make a lot is with golf or with tennis, that you have your regular events and your grand slams. But the difference is that with tennis, you're on different surfaces. It's a two-week event instead of a one-week event. On the men's side, they go from three sets to five sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tiebreaker rules are different in the fifth set for the men, third set for the women. With the golf, it's different fields than you normally see like the masters is smaller the open ones are are bigger different courses that are set up differently right the pebble beach that they're going to have the u.s open this year the setup for the u.s open at pebble beach is going to be way different from how they set up for the pro-am in february so there's just there's enough there to differentiate the big events the major events from the normal events which i don't think the grand slam has quite figured out yet no it it's it's hard and uh, our friend Megan texted me on the weekend and said, "Hey, I thought they were going to eleven events, and I thought, oh my gosh, imagine if, imagine Sean, just imagine what it's, our lives would be like with eleven. Uh, I think we would end events. the show. I think that'd be it. The, the show would be over. I, I, I couldn't do it anymore. We'd quit curling, right? Yeah. Like it's it's 
a bit of an overload. I, I sort of understand seven with having one for September, October, November, December, then January, then April. Sure. Right? So that gives you seven. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of an overload. I, I just did confirm that there are no points available at the Champions Cup. Uh, the most points were available at the pro- at the Players' Championship this weekend. So maybe that's what makes it the most prestigious? I, mean, I don't okay, know. But, like... Sean, honestly, going from a, a field of 12 to a playoff of 8 insane. is insane. It's right? insane. We made our picks last week, and some people commented, oh, boy, like no overlapping picks. Yeah, because you could do it. and You don't, like need, saw, them. You don't need overlapping like picks. Like we saw with the men's field, no, like every team had a very good chance of making the playoffs, except, except for, Matt Matt, Dunstone. for Matt Dunstone. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, watching this, I, I got a little caught up yesterday, I'll admit. I was watching the golf instead sure. of the curling, Sean, because holy cow, that's where the story is. And these teams, I've seen them all before. Maybe we should do, maybe we should just put on the, uh, uh, what's like the Travelers Championship instead. So just so we get some different some faces, different, right? Something. Yeah. The, the other thing, too, is with, with the, the golf being on an early yesterday i was sort of flipping back and forth yeah. what i really like about the masters is they don't really take commercials yeah but when they do it's it's for one commercial for 30 seconds 45 seconds which is enough time for me just to flip over to see what was going on and the way they were playing especially in the back half of that game which we'll get to the blanks and not interesting blanks mm-hmm. either just sort of running up and down i didn't really feel like i missed that much no sean you by, probably didn't by watching it and the other thing too is sportsnet owns this Right, mm-hmm. they bought this from whoever owned it, and it was a complete disaster. These things, when they were back on Global, if we remember those days, and we thought it was going to be just, just really go out of business. Sportsnet buys it to their credit; they put money into it. Yep. They they support it. They get it TV time. Yet they schedule it against Raptors and uh, hockey playoffs. And then the Blue Jays, which they also own. Right. So they own roughly 800 television channels. <laughs> Rogers does. And yet, they couldn't find one to put this on TV on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. We, we said before we started here that this, this is a TV show, these yeah. events. Yes, it's nice to get the crowds out, but they I'm sure they don't care at all about ticket sales. Uh, because it's stuff that you it's content that you can put on tv yeah nothing's more valuable in tv than live sports content yeah because in the days of streaming and, and you and i both do this we we save shows to watch later and we watch them whenever we want but with sports you can't really do it if you're following along you know if you're on twitter and you want to see who wins and like we're on twitter a lot so they have this content sean but then they can't find a spot to use it. They don't it. use it. It's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Especially like Saturday night, they had the Maple Leafs on CBC. They also put them on Sportsnet 1. And then just for like a bonus, I believe they were also on Sportsnet 360 or something. Like, what? Who has Sportsnet like, 360 that doesn't have Sportsnet 1? Or CBC. <laughs> like, are you kidding me with this? Oh, right. Like, who, who, like, why is this necessary? And the other thing, too. Okay, fine. You could say... That for the afternoon, you you didn't know that the Raptors were going to be on the afternoon until Thursday. Yeah. Like, fine. That's reasonable. But surely to goodness, like, CBC had diving on. Like, I'm sure if you called up the CBC and said, 
like maybe you tape delay the diving or, or something like I don't know there's has to be a way that your property that you own oh. that you are claiming is the most prestigious thing in this calendar that you can put it on a television station bump the blue jays it's april and they're terrible who cares <laughs> just it, it just made absolutely no sense to me that this is that that was the programming decision that was made i i just can't fathom it yeah sean i i just pictured smash cut to the one diving fan going hey what did i do <laughs> i know <laughs> i know i shouldn't i i shouldn't get mad i, I the diving, I actually did watch it because I was looking for it. I just clicked over to CBC and the, the listing said diving. And I thought, well, maybe the diving's over. So I actually watched diving for 15 minutes. <laughs> it's always interesting when it's on, I have to say. Yeah, so yeah. I'm the, not hating on the diving. The one thing everybody knows about diving is you don't want too big a splash. No. And I love the CBC woman who does the, the color for it. Because she sees it right away. Like, the person hits the water, and she's, like, over-rotated. <laughs> like, what? And then they show it in slow motion, and she's like, here. Like, it's crazy. Sean, this, um, us laughing about this is the same reaction I get from people when I tell them I host a curling yeah, podcast. There you go. So, um, <laughs> so, so, so yeah, it, it was just strange to me that, again, prestigious event. You're, you're trying to push this. Mm-hmm. And, and they did do it on Sportsnet now, which is good. But if I may... The curling demographic, on average, are not going to be the people who are going to go to Sportsnet now to watch. Yeah, you're right. So I do wonder what the numbers were like. But anyway, let's let's move off of this uh, and actually talk about what happened. Sure. So do you want to talk, talk about the men first? Yes, yeah, so let's, let's talk about the men first. Uh, as we said, a tough week for Matt Dunstone and everyone else was sort of pocketed together. Uh, five teams finished a two and three, I believe. Uh, to get uh, just a mass of tiebreakers that started uh, Friday night even mm-hmm. as the women were playing their last round robin game the men were into tiebreakers and then also on Saturday morning ultimately we come out of it with eight teams that it's interesting Scott you look at the eight teams that made the playoffs frankly out of the 12 teams with all due respect to Matt Dunstone he's the only one who I might have been surprised to make the playoffs in this field but ultimately you get Brad Jacobs Playing Ross Patterson, Nicholas Adeen against Brandon Botcher, Gushu against DeCruz, Howard, and Cooey. So any standouts for you on the men's side? Honestly, Sean, no. I, I think everybody who made the playoffs could reasonably have been expected to make the playoffs. And the teams that didn't, like you mentioned, lost in the tiebreaker. Uh, like Reed Carruthers, Bruce Mowat, John Epping, and Matt Dunstone were the four that didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. And... I mean, like you say, all respect to Matt Dunstone, but that would probably be your 12th ranked team there. Yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah, I, I liked, I looked in, looking at the standings, every every team is the name of the skip, comma, their first initial, except yeah. for Carruthers. It says Team, team Carruthers. Carruthers. Yeah. Uh, so they've got some branding work to do yeah. over the off season. I, no, I think I think they should just lean into the rocks across the ponds guy's idea. Just call themselves McCruthers. McCruthers. <laughs> just go with it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah, um, so I, so what I was surprised though, Scott, I you know I, I believe in my picks, which we'll get to. The only team coming from the World Championships that I picked to make the playoffs was Kevin Cooey, mm-hmm. because you come off that long week. Sure, you're flying from it's you know it's a two hour time difference, which isn't that big, but you're still flying uh, across the country, and mm-hmm. as we know, it's a big country, and uh, just. That maybe a bit of a letdown. So, so I felt as though the teams that were fresh 
might have had a bit of an advantage there moving forward. And maybe you saw it, like Brendan Botcher beats Nicholas Adin in the, the first playoff game in, in the mm-hmm. quarterfinals there. Uh, Peter DeCruz loses to Kevin Cooey uh, in the semifinals. So I, I just don't know. I mean, Kevin Cooey almost won. So yeah, yeah. I can't cla- really say that it was too much of a detriment to him. It was kind of fun to watch the uh, DeCruz-Cooey rematch of their semifinal uh, that they had at the World Championships, too. So, like, uh, I, anyway, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, Cooey got that big three in the seventh end, and, and I think they were even a little disappointed that they only got three. Right. There was a chance to get four. Uh, and then go two up in the eighth. So they did go two up with that three and then won it in the extra end. So a little bit of a callback to that game uh, on Saturday night last week that we saw with, between these two squads again. Uh, it was kind of neat to see. I was I was surprised that Kui did as well as he did, even after we talked uh, last week about how he's not won many of these right. events. Uh, not only does he make the semifinal or make the final, and then he clinches the Pinty's Cup. Yeah, and at the same time. he hasn't won an event this no. year, but they've earned enough points by consistently getting to the playoffs, getting to the semis, and uh, doing enough to right. win the cup. Which is crazy. I mean, Brandon Botcher wins this. He's he, won he, now two. Yeah, but the, and, and he lost another final. Right. But they didn't play in all of them. That's right. Right. So you don't get the points for the, the regular wins and, and the round robins and stuff. So, you know, if they decided to play in all of them perhaps they'd be $75,000 richer but also the success they've had this year maybe not playing as much was the right choice for this team yeah Sean it, that could be the the secret sauce so yeah we shouldn't bury the lead and and we should say congratulations to team yes Boncher. congratulations to team Boncher winning their second Grand Slam of the season in a game Scott that I would Smooth describe test? as less than inspiring oh it was so <laughs> boring there it was not hard not a hard decision to watch the golf you know no uh, and I would sometimes, you know, I'd switch to the golf. Okay, Tiger just hit a shot. I'm going to go back to the curling. And they were still talking about the same shot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kevin Cooey, uh, his world championship experience didn't, you know, urge him to play any quicker. Uh, <laughs> but they weren't short on time at the end. Because no. the sixth and seventh ends were just up and down. Run them up and down. Right yeah. So it wasn't really all that, all that interesting, I have to say. The eighth end was... So Botcher mm-hmm. up one playing the eighth end with Kevin Cooey with the hammer. And I thought what was the most interesting about that end, Scott, was Brandon Botcher's last. He's sitting two, mm-hmm. and Kevin Cooey doesn't have a shot to win the game if Brandon Botcher doesn't, doesn't throw. throw. He has a shot to tie, and a, a relatively easy shot to tie and go to the extra end. So if you take those odds, Brandon Botcher is 80-85% to win the game. If he doesn't throw right. his last shot in the eighth end. And he throws a, a double tap that Kevin Martin and Mike Harris were very convinced was there. Like, so convinced that I think if you would let either one of them go down to the ice, they would have thrown it. Really? Themselves. Yeah. Like, they were so excited about the possibility of this <laughs> shot. The. And the thing is, I, I mean, you, I looked at it, maybe, maybe, I mean, it was really hard. You had to go through a tight right. port to get through, hit the, the, what was the shot stone on the perfect angle to roll over to the side to eliminate another rock yeah. and hopefully clip one at the back. Like it was a really hard shot. 
I'm, I wasn't as convinced as the two of them. <laughs> I will yield to their knowledge of angles over mine. Sure. But the, the way they were talking, and, and this is sort of what Mike Harris gets accused yeah. of a lot, like these crazy angle shots. He's just like, yeah, of course it's there. Oh, it's there. Like he's so casual about it. Oh, yeah, it. it's there. Uh, so I don't know. What did you think of that? That uh, Yeah, it, t- it takes a lot of stones you know, to, to play that kind of shot, especially against a, a player like Kui. Maybe that's their thinking, though, that you know we got to do something so that we win the game right now. We don't want to take the chance of going to an extra where anything can happen. You can get a pick. Sure. Uh, you know, against a great team, uh, silver medalists at the Worlds. Mm-hmm. You know, so that could have played into their thinking as well. And then, of course, he, he does it, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and there you go. So Brendan Botcher, I guess, gets a measure of revenge for losing the Briar final to yeah. Kevin Cooey. Well, he got an extra week off of not curling and uh, then gets to say, how do you do? Yeah, made a little bit of money there. And uh, so it's so a good job for <laughs> Brandon Botcher. And like we say, that was the, the Briar final. They played in the Alberta semifinal. And sadly, I guess, for fans out there in Alberta, won't get to see it in the Alberta Playdowns next year. Mm-hmm. But it just sort of reaffirms that Brandon Botcher going into next year has to be considered the favorite to come out. Of Alberta. Oh, absolutely. I, I I don't think it's close. All due respect to uh, team team uh, Appleman and, and team Carson Sturmey. Yeah. So th- that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's move over on the women's side, where again we had a I believe one tiebreak or two tiebreaks, uh, and and Carrie Anderson, a beneficiary of the twelve teams to eight team format here as she was almost eliminated yeah sean she was the seventh seed going into the playoffs uh went up against tracy flurry the number two in that first round but she needed a tiebreaker did she not i believe so i'm looking here and yeah two and three was the the sort of tiebreaker line so she did need a tiebreaker yeah so you know and then she goes through and she just runs the table in the playoffs well, yeah, usually the champion does run the table in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That's my quality analysis here. Yeah, but Robin Silvernagel, they they played pretty well in the week. I think they were 3 and 2. Let me double check my standings. Oh, they were 4 and 1 in the uh in the round robin there. And she comes through the the bottom half of that bracket and Carrie Anderson knocks her out in the semifinal uh with a pretty good game there. Anna Hasselberg comes through the the top of the draw. Number one team in the world, well, number two team in the world, uh, but coming off their near miss at the world championships. And Sean, this game was a lot more fun to watch. Uh, the, the the women's game, I'd say. I did go grocery shopping in the middle <laughs> of it, but uh, so so a little more fun to watch. Uh, the blanks, the, especially the blank in seven, was, you know, okay, we'll put the first one in. Hasselberg was. I think they said on on the TV even, it'll it's the well we'll take two if you give us two but we won't push hard for it right uh, and and it's interesting right because we saw Anna Hasselberg do the same thing in the world gold medal game against Switzerland where she actually gave them a point in nine to be yep. down one with hammer coming home and so in this instance uh, she played the seventh to blank to be down one coming home with hammer. Managed to score one and then got beat in the extra end. It, it was a near carbon copy, and I wonder, 
I know we've been waiting to see the stats for this year, but I wonder if we will see Anna Hasselberg maybe change these uh, tactics going forward. Maybe. I mean, she had a shot to win. I thought she won the game. Yeah, like, it I looked... really thought she had won the game. Like She misses her last one. She throws it too heavy, and it rolls out. Mm-hmm. But she had the two on the side. I really thought that they were sitting too. And I, I think Anna Hasselberg might have thought she did too. Uh, certainly Carrie Anderson was convinced that it was only one because uh, she said that in the lead up to the shot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, if they were convinced, they, they played it properly, of course. Uh, but Carrie Anderson overthrew her last one. And exactly. Then, and then Anna Hasberg does her. I think with the five rock rule, it, it does seem like there are teams who can execute this more effectively than others, right? Kevin Cooey, we've seen him do it well. Anna yes. Hasselberg has been in position to win games. She's just missed, missed the, the shot. shot. So I think it really depends on who you are, what your strengths are as a team, and I think more, maybe even more importantly, who you're playing. Because if they can get up and down and they can peel and they can make runbacks to great effect, then it's going to be harder to get that multiple in the last end of the game. If you're playing someone right. who relies a little more on the softer stuff and angles and those sorts of things, you're going to have more opportunities. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, because I've talked to players, how much does scouting matter? How much does what the other team do influence what you do? And they all say it doesn't matter. We have to play our game. But I, I think it's, with the five rock rule, I think it matters more and more because you want to know what the other team does well and just as importantly, what they don't do well and try to force them into doing that. Yeah. So I don't think it's enough to just say, you know, we get two with the hammer in the last end that's 55% it. of the time, and that's enough. Because right. I think it's, we're getting to the point now with the numbers where we really have to take into account what the other team is doing. Like if you're playing somebody who just never gives up twos, maybe that takes into, that has to be taken into account in the sixth end. Oh, Because you're sure. going to set up how the rest of your game is going to go. Yeah, Sean, and... and- Anna Hasselberg's team famously said that about the Korean team at the Olympics, that they knew what their strengths were yes. and they knew what the, the Team Kim's strengths were and they were going to play their game uh, in a way that would maximize their strength and minimize the other teams. Uh, so that definitely comes into, um, to, comes into effect. Like you say with the five rock rule, we're learning it now, we're ga- gathering data. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of data that was gathered in last year's Grand Slam yep. where the five rock was in place. Uh, but I would say a lot of teams use that experience more to just sort of feel it out and see what would happen. It's it's a good question going forward. We did see Kevin Cooey at the Men's Worlds at one point say, oh, I can't figure out what these guys are going to play. And I think he was playing against Japan when that happened. Right. Uh, or one of the uh, PACC teams anyway. They don't play them a lot. And his question was really like, boy, I, I have no idea like right. what they're going to do. And when you're, when you're playing poker, for instance, if you're playing with somebody who knows poker, then you can be confident that they're going to throw away the garbage hand. So yep. when, when the turn comes down and, or the flop comes down, it's a two and a seven and an eight, you can be pretty confident that the person playing against you doesn't have that two and a seven. Right. Right. But if you're playing with somebody that has no idea anything's possible and your whole strategy goes out the window. So yeah, I mean, uh, this is two bad losses for Hasselberg with 
employing their strategy, but uh, maybe they don't think in such a results-oriented way. No, like, process. Like I'm thinking. Yeah, no, it has to be the process because I think the process worked both times that they had shots mm-hmm. in the World Championship final and now in, in this final. So if the point is to give yourself that chance, give yourself a shot to win the game, it's been successful. She just hasn't executed on those shots. Right, right. So that, that is what it is. I, I don't think you necessarily... Well, maybe you do change the process. If... If you're not executing. If you're not executing when you have the opportunity. But she's too good of a player. Like She's just so good. She's, she's just very so good. good, yeah. Um, so the other thing with the that happened, of course, Carrie Anderson had a rock either pick or she was just like she missed on by her first one, 25 yeah. feet, yeah. Uh, which was kind of remarkable on, on her first one. And that, uh, again, gives the opportunity back to Anna Hasselberg. But Carrie Anderson, again, to her credit, Parks it, mm-hmm. comes back, makes her shots, and uh, is the the player's champion. Yeah, in that sense, almost identical then to the the women's world final where we saw yeah uh, a pick in that end. So yeah, but in that case, it was Tiranzoni Stone, I believe. No, no, it was Alina Pats. Alina Pats' yeah, first. Tiranzoni yeah. missed, and then Pats yeah. had the stone pick. So yeah, sort of a carbon copy there. Yeah, kind of interesting, eh? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> We, we didn't even need to play. We could have just, we could just uh, uh, watched that. Yeah. Uh, so other elsewhere in the field, Tracy Fleury has a really good week going 4-1. and one. You mentioned Robin Silvernagel. Mm-hmm. Everyone else sort of bunched together at either 2-3 and three or 3-2. Three and two. Uh, Rachel Homan wins the Pinty's Cup with her second win. We also saw Laura Walker come in and play for Joanne Courtney. That's who, right. Who needed a bit of a break, uh, which is certainly understandable given uh, her... Uh, pregnancy and how hard she works sweeping Mm -hmm. and uh, this was the first time too when when I saw both her and Rachel Holman that they were showing right that that I noticed so uh, so certainly uh, some exciting times there for team Holman who has announced that they're not going to go to Beijing that's right to play in the um, World Cup of curling grand Grand final final (laughs) event the uh, the team Jennifer Jones will replace them, of course. Yes. So, and looking forward to the Champions Cup. Everybody's going to have a spare. Like no, yes. nobody is really playing in this event. It's it's basically you know how they do the Humpty Scramble, and part of every draw. That's basically how they pick the teams for this thing. <laughs> it's it really is like the All Star Skins game. Just, yeah, they're not calling it that. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty incredible. I heard that John Schuster won't be playing and john morris is going to play for him do you yes. have the team lineups there not in front of me okay. no well, well we'll talk about it as we do our preview for that event we'll have to do a full breakdown whenever that of happens who's, yeah. of who's playing of who's playing with who uh but overall yeah I, I think things went a little to form here you know alina stern missing the playoffs yoshimura missing the playoffs maybe the two teams that you would have expected world champion savannah tiranzoni goes one and four she misses the playoffs but that's a team as we've talked about through the season has their their high highs and their low lows, and certainly this week was a, a low low for them. But again, understanding understandable. They're the world champions, and they can do what they want <laughs> when they show up at a curling uh, exactly. event for for a while. So, uh, so and also looking here, I, I can't find a tiebreaker for Carrie Anderson. The tiebreaker between Suzuki Fujisawa and Rachel Holman is all I can find here in terms of 
tiebreakers. Yeah, she might have advanced on the strength of beating both of them. Something else, yeah. uh... Uh, And Suzuki Fujisawa beats Rachel Holman Mm -hmm. in that tiebreak, which brings us, Scott, to our picks. Our picks, Because I had both of those teams, so I was pretty agnostic in terms of who won that game. Because either way, I was getting a point while also losing a point. So, uh, but overall, I think I had a good week. Yeah, like for as pessimistic as you were there on Thursday, Sean, I was very pessimistic. Uh, yeah, you actually, you actually gained more points in this event than I did. Now, I also had the tiebreaker game um, in the men's side with uh, Carruthers playing um, somebody. I can't remember who. Uh, and anyway, they lost, which lost me a point on the men's side. Uh, I believe they were playing. Uh, well, I'll get you. I'll get it for okay, you. Okay, you'll get it. So I had picked Jacobs to win. He made the playoffs. So did Glenn Howard and Nicholas Adine, my other playoff picks. But like I say, Carruthers lost out in the tiebreaker there. Yeah, so it was a multiple tiebreaker situation. I think he was in the second tiebreaker. So he beat, Reed Carruthers beat Bruce Moe at Saturday morning in a tiebreak. Right, and then had another tiebreak to get into the... And lost to Team Cruz. yes. Right, right. So uh, bad news for me on that tiebreak. Uh, so I only get three points on the men's side. And Sean, you you had a clean sweep. Clean you sweep. Picked Botcher to win. Yep. You also had Gushu, uh, Ross Patterson, nice uh, off the board pick. Through a tie break. And uh, Kevin Cooey in there. So you get a full five points. On the women's side, uh, I've been hot lately, and I had the, the winning pick of you Team did. Anderson. You did. Wasn't looking good. Was when looking she was, quite bad. When she was at two and three. But uh, I also picked Casey Scheidegger and Robin Silvernagel. And that pick of Tiranzoni, yeah. uh, coming off the gold medal, I thought she'd at least be able to get into a tiebreaker in a field of 12 teams <laughs> with eight making the playoffs. Not so much. But uh, it wasn't to be, so I only get four points there. And you would pick Jennifer Jones to win, so you get one. Uh, also had Hasselberg, Fujisawa, and Rachel Homan, who lost out of the tiebreaker. Yeah. So overall, Sean, you outgained me there eight points to seven. I like that. Eight out of a possible ten. That's pretty good. It's pretty good, Sean. I gotta say. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, seven's okay. Seven. I mean, eight's really good. Seven, okay. Yeah. Uh, So for the season, you're up 75 to 69. And what strikes me with this is, holy cow, that's a lot of points because there's so many events. There's so many events. And uh, yeah, so we, we started with the World Cup back in... September. September, yeah. And we've picked every event. And yeah, so 75 points. That's a lot of points. Yeah. Really. And I mean, we haven't done well. Like, I, I'll, at the end of the year, I'll yeah, come we, up with yeah, a we'll percentage. To, yeah. We'll have to do like the possible points. Yes. Um, of, of how many events is it? Basically, it's 10 points each per event. Except so. the World Cups, there's not as many points available because not as many teams right. are in You're the right. Because we only did one and what? Yeah. So, wow. So good for us. We'll figure it out. And uh, so how many, so we've got two events left. We've got two events left. Yeah, we got the Champions Cup and then we have the Grand Final of the World Cup. And with the six-point lead, I mean, I don't want to get cocky, Scott, but I'm feeling pretty good. Well, from here on out, I think you're the one that's going to make picks first. So you can counter So I can counter your picks just to give me a chance to catch up. All right. Uh, that's fair. I look forward to taking the good teams. <laughs> that's that's great. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I should do I should do it the other way. Um, no, because then I would just take the same picks you as you. The same and, yeah, we'd be the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's some strategy, and I have to say too, Scott, I made those picks, 
uh, six o'clock in the morning in Peron, France, <laughs> barely awake after getting like three hours of sleep. Yeah, I emailed you and said, "Hey, I, I, pretend like you didn't see any of the curling yet. You yeah. need to make make picks." And you you said, "Like, where was I going to watch? Yeah, the curling? where am I going to watch it? Obviously, I don't have it. No. So, uh, good job by you there, Sean. Thank you. Good job by you. Thank you. Uh, so, I just wanted to give a, a shout out too. I saw on Twitter. Um, Team Holly Duncan, uh-huh. uh, their skip had a baby. Oh, so uh, congratulations. congratulations! Yeah, Holly Duncan. Yeah, uh, we saw her at the Ontario uh, Ontario Provincials where she was pregnant. Uh, there, <laughs> yeah. Thank so. you. <laughs> thank you for explaining how timelines work. <laughs> Science. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I saw that and I thought uh, that's nice. They yeah. announced their fifth team member. I I can't remember his name, but it was a baby boy. So nice. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations, Holly Duncan. And to the whole team there, hope everyone is doing well, both mother and baby and the entire family. So certainly some exciting news out of the Duncan camp. Anything else, Scott, in the world of curling that has come up since we last convened? Oh boy, Uh, we had a pretty good deep dive on the new teams, a couple of them anyway. Uh, There was some news from a woman's team that I can't remember right now, but... uh, if I can't remember it, it mustn't have been there that you go. important. So uh, the team tracker is up. Curling Geek has finished right. that. Do yeah. check that out. That is raring to go, and, and he's made some updates to it since it first came up. So certainly check out the team tracker. Everything's looking cool there. The mixed doubles, everyone is on their way to Norway for the mixed doubles. We don't really know enough to do a full in-depth preview. What we do know is that we root for Team Hong Kong and that we hope... I guess the team Canada as well as well too. Like, yeah. So I, I I was just looking at the teams there for the champions cup and, uh, all the players that are playing in the mixed doubles are not going to yeah. be, be there cause they're around the same time. So, uh, John Schuster won't be going as he, uh, won with Corey Christensen of team Christensen. Uh, Brecca Lant and, and Jocelyn Peterman obviously won't be there. So yeah. there'll be some new look teams Yeah, and it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Yeah. We'll do a full breakdown of what we expect with those new rosters. Uh, and certainly the awkwardness of the old rosters as well, which was on display this week. And I think Devin Hurrell actually had a really good story that if you missed it, I think it was from Thursday or Friday where Craig Savile was featured heavily uh-huh. in that, uh, in that interview or, or in that story as was Brent Lang. So definitely check that out. So, We'll be back to preview that because it's starting next week. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we'll be back. We'll do a full preview of the Champions Cup. Do follow along with the Mixed Doubles World Championships over there in Norway. Last time with the full field events mm-hmm. before they go to the tiered system. So certainly follow along with all the teams, all the action over there. I believe you'll be able to follow with World Curling on Twitter and their YouTube channel until TSN picks it up, which... The past few years they have done on the weekend, but maybe it'll be a little different. Uh, certainly check it out, though. And if you like, please do subscribe to the show. If you have not, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever it is you get your shows, give us a like, ratings, all those good stuff to, to keep the show going. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Game of Stones Pod. You can email us at Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. So until we're with you again... Keep your brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern.
Take the title. Hey, bonus, Sean. bonus, bonus. Do you, do you want to hear of five things to do in Stavanger, Norway? Absolutely. Acor- according to worldcurling.org. Why would I not want that? One, tour the historic Gamle Stavanger. Uh, it's some wooden structure. Two, <laughs> cruise the fjords. What's a fjord? Norway is famous for its pristine fjords. They're like inlets of water. or Maybe the fjord is the land that sticks out. Uh, so anyway. Wait, so I get on a boat? You get on a boat. Like I so said, they're big. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So they're uh, not like in, in the Netherlands, those little like almost canal type things no. that they used to water the fields. I can't believe you don't know what a fjord is. I have no idea what a fjord is. Oh, boy. You got some YouTube. Why, uh, would, why would I know what that is? Give me a reason why in Canada, growing up outside of Toronto, I would know what a fjord is. I don't know. We've got them up north. Anyway, number three, visit one of Norway's oldest medieval cathedrals. Hey, there you go. Hey, right on. Uh, number four, hike Pulpit Rock. How one, high is Pulpit Rock? One of Stavanger's most renowned tourist attractions, Pulpit Rock stands 604 meters tall and provides views of the surrounding mountains and Lisafjord area. Okay. I don't know. Is that a lot? Is 600 a lot? I have no idea. Getting there requires about eight kilometers of hiking, which you can do in the winter with the proper equipment. <laughs> <laughs> and in the summer, just go in your flip-flops. Number five is my favorite, Sean. Uh... Uh, explore the Norwegian Canning Museum. Like putting stuff in cans? Yeah, located in a former sardine cannery. Oh. It gives you an in-depth look at what was once Stavanger's most significant trade. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I gotta say, that sounds better to me than the fjords. Yeah. Yeah, and it's probably inside. Yeah. Right on. And I would then, like to know how things are canned. And then the last, of course, Sean, is curling. So, of course. There you go. There right you go. on. Bonus content. Everyone... Enjoy yourselves as you travel over to Stavanger.